CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. It is Friday, January 28th, live from my apartment in his attic. This is the Ben Jarowski Show. I am DJ Nate, filling in for the one and only Dr. T. Today in the program, we have Chicago radio legend with shows on WBEZ, GCI, and WVON, Richard the Real Deal Steel. And now, your host, Chicago reader columnist, Ben Jarowski. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Poor Barry Friday, and here's why. Poor Barry Weiss, that is, a former uh, New York Times uh, writer. Uh, now, I don't know what she does. She makes a living being some kind of uh, freelance writer. She was on the uh, Bill Maher show, uh, and she was whining and crying that she's sick of COVID. Uh, and now, uh, this is a distant cousin, poor Barry, to yesterday's commentary where I said, lamented the sad state of life for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, it was boo-hoo Aaron. And so I am um, now going to address a topic that's been on my mind lately. Uh, so I'm going to address this to uh, my many uh, white listeners out there. <laughs> so all you white people listening, come, come, come around the table here, okay? <laughs> Just all you white people, come here. What, what's with you guys these days? I mean, I've never seen you. You're so fragile. You know what I'm saying? You're like, so Barry Weiss was crying. And she, she's sick of COVID. She's sick of what? Having to look out for the, the consequences of this life-threatening pandemic, this disease that's killed close to 900,000 people. She's tired of it. She's tired of wearing a mask. She's tired of not being able to go to clubs. She's whining and crying. And Bill Maher's whining and crying with her. We're sick of COVID. And then the day before, I talked about Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. You figure a quarterback would really be tough. But he's like crying because... He now realizes because of his anti-vax view that many people were rooting against him. And what is it? I thought I thought MAGA people, help me out here, white people. I thought MAGA people were supposed to be impervious to criticism. I thought MAGA people were supposed to believe in liberty and free speech and telling it like it is and don't be a little snowflake and crush, be crushed at the first little bit of criticism you get. My whole life I've been on the left in the city of Chicago. My whole life I've been blasting the powers of being in the city of Chicago. Do you know how many mean and nasty things people had to say about me? There was really only one man who ever brought me on any show. He's going to be my guest today, okay, in Main Street. Don't put that radical nutcase commie on our show. This one man here, God bless him. He brought me on his show. I love him forever for that. So I don't understand why people, why are you so fragile? Is there something in time right now? Like, is, is, do you feel threatened? I mean, I, I truly don't know. Maybe you can help me out. Send me some emails or drop me a line. Let me know. Why are you so fragile and so upset these days? <laughs> help me out here. All right, everybody. 
All right. Uh, I just had to get that off my chest. I read Barry White. She's crying. She's sick of COVID. My distinguished guest, Richard Steele, legendary Richard Steele. Richard, help me out here. You've been around white people a long time. <laughs> Why are they so fragile right now? Uh, I think everybody, everybody's kind of fragile at this point. But, you know, people people want to get back. They want to get back to, you know, what was regular. And the reality is that life goes on. I mean, this is a this is an ongoing thing. I mean, so get used to it. You know what I mean? Uh, that's you know what the forecast is from the from the uh, scientists. Uh, it's probably going to be around in some form or another, and you have to live with it. You know, do the things that you're supposed to do to stay stay safe. Uh, I will say this: one of the interesting things about white people was when uh, <laughs> when Trump was on uh, and he had, his little, he had what was a little tour with Bill. Uh, what's his name? Who used to be on Fox. O'Reilly, Bill O'Reilly, and uh, O'Reilly asked him, "Well, have, did you have a, the booster?" And he said, "Yeah." And they booed, boo, boo. <laughs> but what was even more interesting uh, was yesterday, Ben, on the local news, and I've forgotten what station and what hospital, but they were interviewing a guy who had been on the ventilator, and uh, they asked him, "Would he now be taking the shot?" He said, "No, this is my choice, and I'm not taking any damn shot." Fill me in on that. What what am I missing here? What am I missing? You know? Well, you know, uh, uh, your old friend Howard Stern, uh, I actually do not know if you know Howard Stern, but you guys have been in the radio business. Uh, by the way, for young people out there, Richard Steele, legend in the radio business, V-O-N, G-C-I, B-E-Z, you name it, he's been on it. Uh, 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 even at the University of Chicago uh, station playing jazz, HPK. Oh, you remember so, that? Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Uh, I still wish you were doing the jazz stuff, uh, but that's a whole other story. We'll save that till we get to the end of the show. We start talking music and sports. But uh, Howard Stern uh, came out with a comment the other day where he said, um, if you're not going to get vaccinated, don't go to the hospital. Just die. So he would say to that gentleman, whoever that gentleman is, I have no idea who the gentleman is that you uh, were just quoting that you saw on the TV. Richard, Howard Stern would say to him, you are taking space in a hospital from someone who deserves it more than you do. Don't go to that hospital. You think you're so slick. You don't, you don't need the vaccine. Now you're paying the consequences for it. So please, all you're doing is taking space for somebody who is far more innocent and worthwhile of worthy of that hospital space. So don't be there. Now I don't go that far, you know, as Howard Stern. <laughs> Howard Stern took it a Nobody little goes beyond. as far as Howard Stern, but yeah. But I kinda understand the impulse. I don't know if you Well do. even if it, even even if you don't yeah, even if you don't go there, I mean, you know, when you refuse to take the shot, you refuse to do the things you need to do and you say, Well, this is my choice, as we've heard over and over again, that's your choice. Do you have relatives? Do you have people that you have to go around? You have you have grandparents? Do you have children, grandchildren? These are people who you are exposing to COVID. And it, it's kind of like selfish saying, well, I don't care. You know what I mean? I'm not taking a shot. I hope they don't die. But, you know, if they do, I'm sorry about that. That's God's will. What? No, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> but... Oh, oh boy on the ventilator saying, I don't care. I'm, I'm not <laughs> right. I'm not. That's a I'm level. I'm not going to take a shot. I don't care. It's my choice. My choice. And I choose to not be vaccinated. So what you going to do with that? 
<laughs> you know. That is uh, some deep stuff. That's where we are, uh, where we are as a country. All right, so whenever uh, Richard comes on the show, we have a list of uh, items we're going to run down. Uh, and we uh, sort of agree on the items before the show, but we don't uh, practice it. So I have absolutely no idea uh, what Richard's going to have to say uh, on these. But let's start. Um, well, I'm just going to take it down in the order that uh, we, we had it. So we're going to be all over the map here. We'll start with uh, Richard Irvin, who is the mayor of Aurora. And let's be honest, uh, listeners, none of you have, about two months ago, unless you lived in Aurora, had ever heard of him. Okay, so you never heard of the guy. Don't act like you ever heard of him. Uh, the powers of being the Republican Party decided that he would be the best candidate uh, to run against J.B. Pritzker, the candidate with the best chances, I should say, of defeating J.B. Pritzker. And so out of nowhere, he's been lifted from obscurity, uh, Richard Steele. He's getting literally hundreds of thousands of dollars, close to millions of dollars from various uh, well-to-do Republicans. Ken Griffin, the richest man in the state, uh, has suggested let people know that he's ready to really kick the money in uh, to uh, promote uh, Richard Irvin. Uh, candidacy for governor. So my first question to you is, uh, Richard, what is it, in your humble opinion, about Richard Irvin, which you've read about him, which you've uh, heard about him, that makes him so attractive uh, to Republicans in the age of MAGA uh, in their efforts to defeat Well, Ben, J. here's Pritzker. my assessment. I have no idea. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't get it. I mean, he's a guy... He's always been a, like a second tier guy. I mean, he used to, I think he used to be a prosecutor. He, uh, you know, he's well known in Aurora because that's who, where he was mayor. You know, he, to me, I don't, I don't, I totally don't understand it unless the thinking was, well, we're Republicans. Maybe we'll put up a black candidate and this might be, this might make a difference because Illinois, for the most part, is a Democratic state. So I, I'm, I'm not sure why that happened. He's already raised $1.2 million, as you point out, from some wealthy donors. And uh, he's got a guy standing by who, who has billions of dollars. Ken Griffin has got more money than God, you know. So uh, <laughs> I'm not sure what, I don't, know, I don't know what his appeal is, you know, because it would seem to me, I mean, could be, because Republicans are not people who take chances, I mean, Republicans, uh, you know, go with the tried and true and the best way we can do this and uh, put our money behind somebody who is experienced and people know and all of that. Of course, they did that with Rauner and he was terrible. But, you know, I, I don't know what it is about this guy. I mean, he, I, I guess he has a clean record. You know, he has, has no drug arrests, and no, no, you know, no larceny. And so in Illinois, that's a good thing. But I have no idea. I don't know why they're doing that. I don't know whether or not uh, downstaters, I don't know whether they would vote for the guy. I mean, they don't know him. He's black. Uh, I mean, let's face it, that's a reality. You know, I mean, I don't know whether in this day and time that's going to happen. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, Roland, Bur Roland Burst was briefly a senator, but he he was appointed that, that Senate seat. And he, you know, after it was over for that short period, it was over. So, but for, you know, statewide, uh, I don't know what that's about. What do you think? Uh, first of all, Roland Burr is a Democrat. And, well, and just because he was black, you know what I mean? They were uh, not, at, at the yeah, state yeah. level. Yeah, he, but he's from downstate. Yeah, that's true. Roland Burr's, yeah. He ran for attorney, he was attorney general, he's controller. Uh, I should bring him on the show, uh, Richard. Just uh, put that in my mind. But the gov governors, but, governors, but, governors, I'm gonna, governors uh, control the money. That's a whole different thing. Yeah. 
So here is uh, a theory uh, that uh, has been put forth several times by our mutual friend, Monroe Anderson. And um, so I got to give Monroe Anderson credit for this theory and I'll see what's your reaction to it. Monroe's theory uh, with uh, when it comes to Republicans uh, 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 slating black candidates is that a black candidate giving the MAGA line is very attractive to white MAGA voters. They love that. That, like, reinforces their belief. So if you have a black man saying that it's offensive to teach slavery, the history of slavery in this country, it offends white people, so (laughs) we should not teach it. That's critical race theory. We should not teach victimization. That really resounds very well with uh, white voters. If you have a black man saying, I'm against affirmative action, Dr. King said we should judge everybody by the color, not by the color of the skin, by the content of the character. I'm against affirmative That resounds well uh, with white people. If you have a, a black person saying, I am going to get tough on crime, I'm going to bring in the National Guard, I'm going to lock them all up, and I'm going to throw away the key, that plays well. That's the Monroe Anderson uh, theory. I kind of subscribe to it, uh, actually. I wish I had thought of it first, but I got to give Monroe credit. Um, so what's your thoughts about well, Monroe's theory? you just described uh, to a T, uh, Clarence Thomas. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's how he feels about everything. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, you know, I mean, that's a, I, I agree with the, with the uh, theoretical aspect of that thinking. Uh, you know, people like, they, there's one black, Republican senator, a guy named Tim Scott. And if you, I mean, you, you're going to have to follow the line. Uh, and if you're a Republican, even if you have those kinds of feelings that, well, I'm not quite so comfortable with that, you better not say it because you're not going to win and not, you're not going to get the support of the party. You're right. I mean, the MAGA people love it when you say that stuff. I mean, they, you know, this is, this, this is an ideal situation because they can say, we're not racist. Here's somebody black who, you know, supports our ideas. And so that means that it's not that bad, or it's not bad at all, as a matter of fact. Uh, the critical race theory thing is, is super stupid. I mean, but but the governor, I mean, the uh, candidate in Virginia, uh, he won with that. <laughs> I mean, and well, that's not the only reason he won, but there's no critical race theory being taught in Virginia. You know, come on. When in the governor's race, that was kind of... Uh, you know, it's kind of stupid, to, but it wasn't stupid to the people who heard it. They said, yeah, 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 that's right. Here's the interesting thing that I thought I'll think I, I want to throw this at you and see what you think. On one of the morning talk shows with the ladies, the talk, I think it was, um, they had, uh, 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 what's her name? Who was, uh, black, uh, and she was the, they were talking about her at one point being, uh, head of the NFL. She's a big football fan. Oh, Catalisa Rice. So she's yeah. a very bright mm-hmm. woman, incredibly smart. And the people on the talk, I mean, they do this for a living. They're very, they know what to ask. And so Condoleezza Rice said she agreed with that because critical race theory makes white people feel guilty and uh, makes black people feel that, uh, you know, they're inferior, blah, blah, blah. So we shouldn't. So nobody asked this question. Ben, and this is what I want to ask her. So are you saying that when we teach history, we'll leave that part out about slavery? I mean, what? how do you teach history 
not talking about critical race theory, but how do you teach history, a significant part of history, without talking about that? How is that possible? And then there was some some state and some school system where they said that you can't talk about the Holocaust unless you air both sides. Really? Both, yeah, both, 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 what both yeah. sides yeah. are there, you know what I mean? Uh, so... But it's working for the Republicans, and you know, and things have changed a lot. They have a lot of sway at this point, and they—they they, listen. The Republicans are good at what they do. Democrats are not good at their message. They're, not, they're terrible at their message, and the the, uh, the Democrats. I've never understood why they don't, in these times, come up with some clever stuff. They got because they're they're liberals who are in Hollywood and uh, creative people who could come up with something clever. The Trump people and the MAGA people. They have these sayings that catch on, you know what I mean? But <laughs> nobody in the in the Democratic Party is coming up with uh, Trump the chump, you know, or something like that. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I don't understand that. That's that's well, to me that's baffling. Okay, so uh, yeah, Catalisa Rice. It was on the, the name of the show is The View. She was on The View, and um, I remember that when she was on there, and she was um, see now she was taking a stand against critical race uh, theory, and so this is. Richard, this baffles me uh, because I've spent so much of my life uh, just like really obsessing over these issues and thinking about them and uh, never coming to any kind of uh, like a strong definitive sense of where we should go as a people. But the divisions in our country along racial lines, which have been existed in our country since the uh, first slave ship came over in 1619, let's be honest. I have no idea how to bridge that. I've thought about I've lived a long time, not as long as you. We'll get into that in a little while. But I've lived a long time, and I've not figured out how to bridge that. They took a stab at it. South Africa did with uh, the the reconciliation um, hearings, and you know. But you, when you do that, white people have to admit that they did that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so in this, in, well, that's, that's the thing. Okay, in country. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's kind of like. People talking about critical race theory and said, well, you know, it wasn't, the slavery thing wasn't really that bad. Everybody had full employment. Give me a damn break. You know what I mean? Uh, it, so the way, yeah, the reconciliation uh, councils in uh, South Africa uh, required that there was a confession Absolutely. of sorts. You're right. By the white people that they were up to no good, at which point they were forgiven. Okay, that that that's asking a lot of a lot of people. But Mandela was n beyond. I mean, he was an extraordinary human being. He had that capacity to forgive. Okay, uh, he would not fit well in with my family, where grudges are held <laughs> like hundreds of years. Okay, <laughs> can imagine this Nelson Mandela at our Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, but so in in the United States. You can't even make the accusation. And this starts off with what I began about what's wrong with white people. They're so fragile right now. You can't say to a white person, not even you, a 30-year-old white person, but some white guy in 1850 owned slaves. You can't say that to him. He, he's crushed. His self-esteem is destroyed. He can't. He, it's like, uh, you're saying I did something wrong. I didn't do anything. Nobody. I'm like... So, Richard, you can't have the reconciliation until you have the acknowledgement that a crime was committed. But if you say that a crime was committed, then you're offending someone and they won't let you even teach that in a public school. So I don't know well, if we could adopt the South know, I, Africa I model. We can, but the other reality is 
you know, when people say, people who are white say, well, I didn't own any slaves and I don't, it's not my history and I don't owe anything for that. Um, people will never admit to the fact that there is something called white privilege. I mean, you know, this, uh, that's part of what affirmative action was about in terms of uh, how we as African-Americans we're not didn't have didn't have access to various schools to you know as as far as business is concerned uh, didn't have access to executive offices in different companies because in a lot of these situations with the exclusive schools and with companies your father or your uncle or your grandfather was somebody who sort of passed it down you know what I mean and made room for you <laughs> we didn't have any making anybody making room at any point in time and. Uh, it's a, it's a big difference, and people who are white don't well, don't want to admit that that there's privilege. Um, it, let me give you a quick example of how that works. My grandparents were from the West Indies, from Barbados, and uh, lived in Brooklyn. My mother told me that when my when my grandfather came to this country, he wasn't well educated, but he but he but he read a lot, so he he really was very smart guy. So these people took tests for these various jobs. He took a test for the post office, I think it was. And she said uh, he took the test and got the results back in the mail. And then they wanted a photograph <laughs> to see what he looked like. And so uh, my point there is, if you were black and another guy was white from Germany or Lithuania or wherever and couldn't speak the language, but you guys went down to the docks to get a job just moving stuff, uh, he was going to get the job. I mean, it's that simple. And so when people, you know, make those kind of you know, denials about, well, it's not like that anymore. And yeah, sure, it's not. I mean, but at least admit it for what it is and the effects overall in terms of what it is now and then move on from there. I don't think we should, you know, as black people, I don't think we should say um, you owe us, We, you know, like uh, uh, I think reparations are good in terms of uh, providing money for schools and for, you know, housing, uh, you know, loans for for housing in terms of uh, the fact that banks have been so, so prejudiced in terms of home loans. So I think those are things that people can can get that we should. So, I, you know, I just <laughs> I have a problem. With, I got a big problem with that. I really do. I I don't own, I didn't own any slaves. I didn't own any slaves. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't own any. No, I, uh, I I saw at a very early age, and I don't want to turn this into a personal story, but I, I saw at a very early age the advantages that uh, white people had over black people. I, as a white person, had over black people uh, in the Evanston Public Schools and how they segregate kids and how the track system works. Uh, and I was powerless uh, to do anything about it, Richard, other than observe it uh, and think about it, and but it's so it, it was so concrete, it was so powerful, uh, and in talk about housing discrimination uh, in the city of Evanston, where I grew up, I was very segregated, and uh, black people weren't allowed to buy property on across a certain line. They were relegated. Evanston has always had a black uh, community. I don't know if you're aware of this, but it's been segregated to like the area around the high school on the on the uh, northwest side of the city or suburb whatever you want to call it so it's all very profound you could choose to look the other way go on with your life and deny it exists but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist sure. if you follow Absolutely. what i'm saying you know um it's uh, have you seen the movie uh don't look up have you seen that movie yet it's on netflix don't look up yeah i saw it when it came out a couple of years ago 
No, no, no. This is a new movie. It's uh, it's it's a satire about um, it's a satire about the end of the world. A comet is coming. Oh to, no, no! It's don't destroy look, don't look Earth. Up. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I plan to see that. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. It, Leo DiCaprio. Yeah, it's 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 a good movie in my humble opinion. But the point is, the whole thing is like people they they deny it. They don't want to face it. They don't want to confront it. Right. And that meteor is still yeah. coming. You know what I'm saying? So. Uh, it's a, it's a metaphor for all these things. So you want to deny that uh, racism is a factor in our country, okay? But we're living with it, you know. Yeah, I saw the previews for that, and they said, "Well, well, what are the chances? Well, the chances are like ninety eight percent. Well, you know, there's two percent that it's, it may not happen. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness." They mock uh, mainstream media so much in that movie. Oh, do they make fun of the Good Morning America type shows? Uh, Tyler Perry uh, and I forget the lady's name, the, the actress's name, play the um, the hosts of a, a one of those Happy Good Morning America show, and they're hilarious in their uh, utter stupidity. Uh, I saw the preview. A, I'm going to check it out. Um, you know. You should definitely check it out. It's on Netflix. All right. You know what? I was negligent, ladies and gentlemen. I jumped ahead of my script. I humbly apologize. It was very unprofessional of me. And, and Richard Steele <laughs> would never allow this to happen if he were running this show. Uh, so <laughs> let me just back up and start where I should go, where I should have started. Uh, and that is uh, Richard Steele turned 80, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, That's right. Oh. Eight and a zero means 80. Yeah. <laughs> He's a wise man now. No, you have wisdom, Richard. You're going to impart some wisdom on me I have great and hair. our listeners. I can tell you about that. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm trying to wrap my head around the fact that uh, I turned 80. Guess what my birth date is? January 6th, the day of the insurrection. <laughs> so that's pretty incredible. Uh, no, it's amazing. Uh, ben, when I was 75... Uh, my family wanted to do a party, and I was in denial about being 75. So I said, nah, I don't want to do that. So what they said to me was, can we do one if you turn 80? So <laughs> that's what happened. <laughs> so here I am. And yeah, I've, I've learned a lot of things, but I also found out when you get to be 80, you know, there's no great fount of wisdom coming flowing from your head. Uh, you, your observations are probably broader because... You've been around longer, and you've seen lots of different situations, which is different uh, from what I thought when I was younger. I thought if you lived fast and you were 40 years old, you can say, I've seen this, I've done this, I've traveled overseas, blah, blah, blah. I had a lot of women, I, did, blah, blah. I had some money. All of that may be true, but your experiences uh, are limited because of the people you've come in contact with and your experiences with them over the years. And I understand now why you know people who are older uh, their wisdom uh, is 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 broader because it's 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 experiences, you know, and how you relate to it. As when you're older, you don't have the same thoughts about it when you're like 30, 25 or thirty years old. So I'm grateful, you know what I mean. Uh, Eighty is, I'm, although I'm still trying to wrap my wrap my head around it, Ben. It's like uh, you know, all through my seventies, I could say seventy, and then even seventy nine. Now to say eighty <laughs> is a whole different kind of thing, you know. Yeah. So, uh, but it is what it is, uh, you know. So, I'm here. You're here, and uh, your brain is sharp. Uh, and uh, I noticed because we had a, like a mini quiz before we did the show, ladies and gentlemen, where I ran down the topics, and he knew them all. 
So here's my question, and this is really, uh, I'm speaking out of my own paranoia here. I'm right behind you, okay? And um, you have a few years on me, but not that many. So my question to you is this. What do you do to keep the brain sharp? Now, I know the body is going to have its ups and downs. This is, the body's one thing. I, I'm really worried about the brain right here. So what do you do to keep your mind sharp, to keep your memory strong, to, uh, to keep your ability to speak cogent sentences that impart difficult thoughts, what have you? What do you do for it to keep to fortify that brain? You know, Ben, I don't really know because because my cognitive skills are not what they used to be, and I I understand that. But I'm you know I'm very much involved with news, and so that might be part of it. I mean, I I I watch news and I listen to news and I read news, and uh, you know I, I I try to read. Books, you know, 16, 19, I'm working on it. It's a very big book. Um, there's a, another one called, uh, uh, see, right now, I couldn't remember what it is. <laughs> no, it's called <laughs> Cast. C-A-S-T-E, uh, Cast. A... a great book. Fantastic oh, book. God, so, brilliant book. You know, I, yeah. try to, yeah. I try to stay aware of what's going on around me. And I talk to people who are inter as interested as I am so we can exchange ideas and, uh, you know, uh, so I can stay informed. So that works for me a lot. And uh, my wife is up on things a lot. So we have conversations about things. And, uh, you know, not just about what, what's in the, in the uh, family refrigerator. You know, we have conversations about, I, you know, issues that are happening. She always gets on my case about, you watch too much news. It's always on. I'm going into another room. I'm tired of that. You know, and she's really tired of the Trump thing. So, uh you know, so but I, I think all of that, and when I have discussions with people like you and flesh out all the ideas and and the thoughts about a given topic, it really does keep you sharp. I mean, it's for me. You know, it may not work for other people. There are people that I know who don't look at news at all because they say, "Well, you know, it makes me depressed," and you know, think about Trump and all of that, blah blah blah. But I, that's not me. I have to be involved mentally with what's going on around me. You know, I'm just now I'm wondering because I'm 80 years old, will I be around when the pendulum change swings? And probably not because, you know, with the MAGA people and all of that and the Trump era and all of that, um, it's pretty awful at this point. But at at some point in politics, the trends change. And so I don't know. It's going to take a long time for this one to change. You know, So I'm waiting for that as long as I can, you know. Wait, when you when you say the pendulum swings, well, now, what do you mean by that? There's, there's a lot the country of, moves uh, to at the this left? point, Is... then in this country, there's a lot of uh, overt racism, and uh, it's gotten really bad. I thought some of the problems we have now, I thought we addressed in 1965, <laughs> but obviously we didn't. But my thinking is that uh, because there are, you know, things happen, historically things happen in, in waves you uh, during certain periods, you know, it's kind of like with politics. The Democrats are in for a while. Usually, president has two terms normally, um, and things change. You know, the Supreme Court justices change, and like like the Supreme Court now is is very very conservative. So, you know, that's my view on things. That you know, at some point uh, there'll be a uh, I don't know what the wave will be because this is this is so awful at this point. It's hard to see any future uh, where things are better. This is terrible. When you change the laws. And state governments, uh, so that you you win no matter what. You know, as Trump said, uh, what's really important is who counts the votes. Well, that's I think Hitler said that too. So you know, 
you know, and the thing about Trump is he's 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 pretty open about what he's going to do, what he wants to do. He doesn't hide it. He wanted to steal the election. He called those election judges in Georgia right. and said, but here's find some, me the votes I need yeah, think uh, about to overturn. This one, yeah, go ahead. What if in the next election Trump doesn't run and a guy comes up or a woman comes up, comes up as, as the uh, uh, the person that's going to run who is smarter than Trump? Trump is kind of dumb. So, you know, as you point out, he does everything openly and says stuff and does stuff. Suppose somebody comes up who has the same ideas, same MAGA approach to things, but they're smart. You know what I mean? That makes a big difference because they're not going to say stupid stuff to the press and let everybody know, uh, you know, how dumb they are and uh, that their thoughts are ridiculous, as he does, because he's all, he feels like he could win no matter what. He's always been a winner. And he and if he can't when he sues you, but suppose a guy comes along or a woman who is incredibly smart. Just because you're a conservative, uh, an extreme uh, right person, doesn't mean you're not. Doesn't mean you're stupid. You know that would really be dangerous. Well, I'll put it. I'll use a different word because uh, I have a special uh, smart. It means a lot to me. I he's, say he's cunning, clever. He's really very clever. Cunning, and I. So, you know, oh, I'm okay. talking about the okay. next person down the road uh, who's be more cunning than Trump. Yeah, and and so this is why I'm watching uh, Richard Irvin going back to him, the mayor of Aurora, because this fits in exactly what you're talking about. See, I'm waiting for him. He's not had any comments to the press. He's hiding, and there's all these issues out here that Mark Maga. Whether you think so, here's I'll just name some of them. One, do you think Trump won the election? Do you think it was stolen? Okay, which MAGA believes. Do you think uh, that COVID is a hoax, which MAGA believes? Do you think that the vaccination uh, will somehow or other deprive you of your liberties or uh, make you is unsafe? Uh, Do you think (laughs) or sterile, whatever, you know, these are all just some of the issues uh, that uh, that Trump MAGA champion. So uh, and do you think that teaching like history of slavery makes white kids feel so insecure that they can't even get up out of bed in the morning because they're just overwhelmed with with just guilt and fear and and feelings of inadequacy. Okay, so this is where MAGA is at. So I need to know, Richard Irvin, is this where you're at? Is this what you believe? And the guy in Virginia, Yunkin, that you already alluded to, he was pretty slick. He managed to skate around all these things in such a way that, well, may, you know, he convinced MAGA that he was with them, but he got enough people who might not go yeah, for kept, an open Trump, 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 Trump at arms to go for him really as well. Um, yeah. I, yes. Yeah, the thing with Irving, um, uh, I don't know what will happen with him, but um, there's a reality that, well, I'll save that for another time. I, I'm just, I really, I really truly don't understand that overall, but um, there's there've got to be some other factors with him being the one. I understand what you were saying before about uh, a black man who's espousing espousing all the uh, MAGA principles and all of that, but you know there's got to be more than that because he's not a known person. He doesn't, as you point out, he has not done any press conferences at all. He has not talked to the press, and uh, and the other thing too, another factor too is um, Pritzker is fairly popular. You know what I mean? Uh, and they, you know they're gonna we're going to tag Urban as uh, as Brown a reboot, 
That's what I saw. So. Yeah, no, that's what they're going to do. I, I, uh, I've been known, uh, Richard, to be very critical of mayors, governors, aldermen, politicians. But I've, I have to admit that uh, I've uh, appreciate what uh, Pritzker brings to the scene. And uh, there's very few politicians since Harold Washington died that I can say that of. And uh, I, uh, my Harold's my favorite of all time. No one, I don't think anyone will eclipse him. But I find uh, J.B. Pritzker, uh, for, for such a wealthy man, to show tremendous empathy for people. And I, I, to me, it doesn't even matter if it's real. People go, Ben, it's just a politician doing his thing. I'm like, so? I, who cares? It, it, that's, he's showing it. And he, I thought he did a good job during the height, the worst parts of COVID of showing empathy for what we're going through as a, as a people here in the state of Illinois. So I, I find him to be a, um, a very capable politician, I'll put it to you that way. And I hope he is victorious. And I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people do find him as a capable uh, politician, um, likable, and somebody who is, seems to be honestly trying to make things better. And you know, he talked about the state being in so much debt and, uh, you know, that he was trying to do something about that. So generally speaking, I think, yeah, I think his, his, his pluses outweigh his minuses. And so I think you're right. Uh, all right, I'm going to, before we leave this uh, conversation, I'm just going to um, uh, give a shout out. The book uh, that Richard alluded to is called Cast. It's by a journalist named Isabel Wilkerson. And I can't urge people to read it enough. Uh, and I hope some MAGA people read it uh, as well. And Richard, I don't know how far you've gotten into it, but it's a very powerful exploration of how in so many ways uh, this, the whole concept of race is pounded into our brains uh, all of us, black, white, uh, Asian, what have everybody in this country. Uh, and and it, it influences us in ways we may not even be aware of. And she does, a, I think, a brilliant job of just pointing out just like the prejudices we all have down inside of us. You know what I'm saying? The biases that we have uh, inside us. It's it's really well worth reading. And but think about this. And she points out how um, in Nazi Germany, they look at this country as a way to <laughs> control people by race and, and some of the tactics that uh, uh, were used in this country as, as relates to slavery. And, and uh, you know, they thought, well, that worked very well for the U.S. Let's, <laughs> let's see what we can do. That, that's unbelievable. When they were coming up with their laws in Germany, in Nazi Germany, uh, to take away, uh, deprive Jews of all the rights they would have, uh, and to segregate them away from the rest of Germany. They came to the United States absolutely, and studied absolutely. our Jim Crow laws. Uh, they were like to Virginia. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> I didn't know that until I read this book. I'm like, oh, my Lord. I didn't either. I really didn't. I didn't know that either. Uh, and, not, you know, I mean, there's some so many things that I did not know in 1619 uh, reading that book. And I... I remember reading the article when it came out in the uh, uh, New York Times, but reading it again and talking about, uh, you know, the Revolutionary War and never hearing that slavery was a big part of what that was all about. You know, uh, just great stuff, great stuff, great history. And again, what do you do? Just it, pretend it doesn't exist. Uh, they banned 1619 in some schools, I think, in Texas.
I mean, I think the... Uh, I was going to say, that's when they really started. It was 1619 that's sort of the... That 1619 is a book put out by the New York Times. Uh, 1619 that really got off this... Uh, the the opposition to critical race theory, you know what I'm saying? I just in my mind, it's the opposition to the 1619. When you're right, when it was a curriculum, they were going to use it as a curriculum to teach history in the Texas school. And boy, there was an outcry. And then the next thing you know, one thing they probably did focus groups. Richard and discovered, oh, this really works with white people. Oh, here we go. Here's here's How the about, ticket. Okay, if you're a teacher and you teach that, not only might we fire you, we might charge you with a crime what, what is that about <laughs> this is nazi germany all over again you know um book burning and all of that so yeah by the way did you ever get a chance to uh, in your years at uh, beez did you ever interview isabel wilkerson the author of cast for any reason you know she's written uh, several other books just curious did you ever inter uh, interview her i think i did but it was before she had all of the you know she had the uh, recognition that she has now. I, I'm, I'm, and I, I think I did, but it's been a long time ago. Mm. She was a New York Times correspondent here in Chicago, so I figured your your paths would have crossed. All right, since I mentioned Chicago, let's do a little local politics. Uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot looks as though uh, she will have an opponent already. That election is right around the corner. Richard, here we are in January of 2022. A year from now, uh, we'll be in the thick of it all, uh, the mayoral election of 2023. My guess is all, it sure looks like that Arnie Duncan, the former education secretary under Barack Obama, uh, the former head of the public schools under Mayor Daley, it sure looks like he's getting ready to run for mayor. He hasn't officially announced it, but he gave one of those mayoral-type speeches the other day talking about crime in the city of Chicago, and Lori Lightfoot came firing right back, fists flailing, uh, going after Arnie Duncan and calling him soft on crime, defund the police, et cetera, and so forth. Your thoughts about Arnie Duncan versus Lori Lightfoot? Well, I, you know, going back to the days when he was uh, head of the uh, Chicago Public School System, you know, there were some ups and downs. Uh, you know, he, uh, uh, I think that he was not as much as odds, at odds rather, with uh, the uh, teachers' union as you know, the place we're at now is awful. I mean, this is really terrible. And I, I don't know whether Lori Lightfoot really has someone who can give her the right, the proper direction to do that um, comfortably, because you have to deal with that. But Arnie Duncan, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm not sure about him. He's, uh, I, I kind of view him as a lightweight, but the fact of the matter is, Mayor Lightfoot is in such trouble right now. I think there's a possibility. As a matter of fact, there was a, I think a poll released recently where if they ran right now, um, he would beat her by two or three percent. So, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, the, the other thing is she may not run again. You know, nobody's discussed that part. She hasn't declared that she's going to run. She may not. And then what happens? You know, I've heard I've heard a few aldermen's names mentioned, but none of them are prominently discussed when talking about uh, the next uh, mayor of Chicago. Um, yeah, the only thing that the only thing people have talked about at all was Ernie Duncan because he was pretty straightforward about aggressively uh, letting people know that he'll probably run for mayor. So uh, I think she would lose. You know, uh, I think she's. She's done a fairly good job in terms of uh, the COVID thing, as good as you can do in a big city. Um, the thing with the teachers' union is awful. Uh, I don't know whether people are more angry at the teachers' union or more angry at her. You know, uh, the five days the kids were out of school, 
and parents who had jobs, they didn't know what to do with their kids. It was, that was terrible. It was really awful. So she's got a lot of black marks, and the crime thing is so awful. The carjackings and the, and the shootings, I mean, it's really awful. And I don't know whether some other mayor would do better with that, given this period we're in right now, uh, but this is awful. This is really, really awful. And the police superintendent she hired, I, you know, I'm not, not too big on him. He doesn't, feel, he, doesn't seem like a, he doesn't seem like a take charge guy, you know. Seems like kind of a nice fella, you know, and, uh, you know, agreeable and, and likable. But and that, and it's very difficult. Don't get me wrong. Chicago Police Department with the politics and the history of the Chicago Police Department, when you come in from out of town, there's, that's just damn near impossible to do the right thing. That is to 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 treat everybody fairly and uh, to uh, not give into the old boy network. That's difficult. So I don't know. I, I I don't. I think she's going to run, but I think she's going to lose. I think she absolutely will run. I was stunned. Uh, dinner at the restaurant of your choice. <laughs> okay. uh, if she does not run, I I, I can't imagine. Uh, I, you know, that one, you threw me off, you caught me off guard with that one. We had a guest on the other day, uh, right after the, uh, Stephen Breyer, it was announced that Stephen Breyer was stepping down as to being justice. And this guest came on, he, he caught me off guard with this one. He goes, you watch what's, here's what's going to happen, Ben. Uh, Biden's going to nominate Kamala Harris to that uh, seat to be Supreme Court justice to replace Breyer. And then uh, they're going to bring in Hillary Clinton to be the vice president. <laughs> I go, what are you smoking? And give me some of that. Because <laughs> uh, Lee Allen Jones, you know, if you, I know you're listening. Uh, that stuff was wacky. Uh, so I think the, not, the concept of uh, Lori Lightfoot not running again. Uh, is in that category. I'm wondering, I've had a lot of conversation today with a lot of uh, politicos. I spent a lot of time on the phone, Richard, talking politics with people. And uh, the issue is, will Barack Obama get involved with Arnie Duncan's campaign? And they're all friends. They go back. They play basketball together. They're part of that Hyde Park crowd, uh, John Rogers crowd. You know the bunch I'm talking about. And uh, roughly, Right, but consider this. He didn't... Uh he was not involved until much later on with Joe Biden. Who you talking about? Uh, Barack, Barack Obama? Obama? Yeah. You know, with Biden running for president, people kept saying, well, yeah, Obama's kind of quiet on that. He doesn't have a whole lot to say. You know what I mean? And so. Well, Joe Biden didn't need him. Uh, once Clyburn came from South Carolina came out for him, that pretty much sewed it up. Uh, yeah, that was big. That and, was big. Uh, that was huge. But. I don't know uh, if Barack Obama would get him as close as they are. I mean, that's really sticking your neck out, you know, going against an incumbent mayor. Well, it is, but also consider that one of the things happening in Chicago right now is the Obama Center, the building that's going on, and that makes that's a very big part of Chicago's future. So I, that may play a part in terms of Obama deciding to step up to the plate and maybe do something for Arnie Duncan. But it is a it's an iffy situation i agree with you yeah i i i gotta believe that if barack obama makes a strong pitch for ernie duncan the way he, he went to bat for rahm emanuel in 2015 i believe the next mayor of the city of chicago will be uh ernie duncan no question uh in my mind that's the kind of sway that obama has in this town let me bring something up that's kind of a left field thing we didn't talk about this at all but i just wanted to get this in because it's only emotional um so many emotions about it uh, and i i too have those kinds of emotions Jason Van Dyke, cop who shot Laquan McDonald, is about to get out of jail. He had a six-month, a six-year sentence. He served three, and uh, you know it just seems wrong. He shot this kid sixteen times. 
he was convicted of attempted murder and 16 counts of aggravated battery. That's uh, 16 counts for every shot that he put into this kid's body. But it's just, it just seems wrong for him to get out at this point. I know that was the agreement at the end of his trial, and that's what they decided, but it just feels wrong. You know, I wonder, I used to wonder, well, will he make it through prison? Because, you know, there's some pretty tough guys in prison who hate cops, and especially what he did. Then I found out what they did. I don't know if you knew this or not, Ben, but what they did was they uh, they shipped him around to different states. You know, he wasn't in Illinois. Uh, and the only time he that we know of that he got attacked, he got jacked in uh, in Connecticut. He was in a prison there. You know what I mean? So I just had to get that out. I just really, uh, I have feelings about that. I really do. The whole Laquan McDonald um I don't know what to call it, a segment of Chicago's history uh, is so, it's, it, it, how do I put this, uh, Richard, trying to articulate this? It's not been satisfactorily resolved. So I still have a lot of, of what you're talking about with Jason Van Dyke. I feel that way about Rahm Emanuel, who, uh, and our mutual friend Del Marie Cobb comes on the show all the time to talk about this. The man buried evidence. He tried to continue. He there would if a if a Cook County judge had not ordered Rahm Emanuel to release that tape, Jason Van Dyke would have spent no time. Absolutely, no time. Absolutely, he's in the police force. Absolutely, you're right. And 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 so it's like our 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 town. You talk about we talked about like coming to terms. This is what I was getting at earlier. Coming to terms with our history between black and white. And th this is just an example of it, Richard. We don't even want to confront this as a, as a people. We, we, we did it. Rahm Emanuel and the powers of being in the city did not want us, did not want to address everything that was at play. And then he was running when for Jason mayor. Dyke, he was about to run for mayor. That was part of it. Yeah, they didn't want to release the tape. But the other thing too is that, look, um, the, the thing about power and, and money and influence in politics. Rahm Emanuel did that. Everybody knows he did it. And when he was nominated to be ambassador to Japan, uh, it was talked about, discussed, at some point dismissed, and he went on to get that post, which is like, what? You get the reward for your yes. behavior? It, it, and not only that, uh, many of the black aldermen signed a letter saying that he's our guy. And that was... You know, I, listen, Richard, I've, all, I've lived in Chicago since 81. I'm not from Chicago. I still don't get Chicago. I, st I still don't understand Chicago. I'm like, what is that all? I, you know, that is a lot of free. That is like Mandela-like forgiveness, in my humble opinion. But again, unlike Mandela in South Africa, there's no confession of guilt. So Rom didn't say, yes, I buried the evidence. Yes, I concealed that in order to get reelected. Yes, it would have been a terrible injustice if that Cook County judge didn't force me to release that video. I am guilty of that. Okay, then you can have the reconciliation and the forgiveness. But he never did any of that. No. Richard, he's still going around saying, well, we had these investigations, right, and right. that's why I couldn't release the tape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come all, on, Ron. All BS, you know, all BS. Um we better talk about some sports before we get through because we're almost yes, at the end. Yeah, because we're hour. running out of time. Yeah. Look at Richard Steele, the old pro. He's looking at the clock. Oh, bad. 
All right. Uh, the old pro, Richard Steele. All right, Richard. Chicago Bears hired a general manager. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Ryan Pohl is his name, and he's African-American. Uh, I think hell just froze over, Richard Steele. Uh, 36 your thoughts. years old. Your thoughts. He's a baby. Good God. He's he's half of you. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. I like that. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so are you happy? Are you excited by the new general manager? Well, you uh, know, the Chicago Bears. Richard? We'll see. You know what I mean? I uh, if he's allowed to make his own decisions and with the McCaskies, uh, yeah, I'm not sure about that, but. If he's allowed to make his own decisions, give him a shot at it. You know, um, win or lose, it'll be his on his plate. You know what I mean? That's what I think. Um, you know, he's got uh, a, a quarterback. He's got a young quarterback uh, that needs development. Justin Fields, people thought that this kid would be uh, Mahomes right away. <laughs> but he's not. You know what I mean? He's got some talent, but it has to be developed. So some people are not too happy with, well, not, unhappy with it but you have some thoughts on this i'm sure i saw an analysis the other day which said that uh, the guy they hired the guy that uh, uh, that uh, the new general manager hired to be the head coach is a guy who has a great defensive record i think he was with uh, i think he was with um, indiana yeah indiana indianapolis yeah. yeah but you know but the bottom line of that is Colts. they need somebody who the defense in chicago when they're playing well they're pretty tough. Um, but, you know, the offense is failing. <laughs> so, it, and I agree with the assessment. To me, it would have been more important to bring in uh, somebody who is you're a good coach for offense. And, and I'm not even, a, I'm not even a, a, a very smart football fan. It's just That's an observation from the outside. No, I'm, it's obvious. Uh, I, I was rooting for Jim Caldwell, who's a former coach of Detroit uh, Lions. Who's, he's a quarterback coach. And so that's his thing. I was like, oh, yeah, bring Caldwell in, and he'll uh, teach Justin Fields. And I'm going to close with this. Last Sunday, uh, Richard and I were at our homes texting each other. We were watching Patrick Mahomes oh, put on a display, man. one oh. for the ages. <laughs> we are like, can you believe this? Can you believe this? And it's like, and then I'm just sitting there thinking, this man could have been a Chicago yes, Bear. Yes, and he he started crying yeah, all yeah. over bad again. Bad decision. Really bad decision. The guy's incredible. He bad really decision. Is. And as I pointed out to you in our exchange of uh, notes about this. Um, there was a day when the NFL and, and ownership in the NFL didn't feel, or coaches either, didn't feel like a black quarterback was smart enough to be on the team. And so there are very few. There were, And it's a little better now, but it was terrible for a while. Years ago, the, the Bears had Vince Evans as a backup. I don't know if you recall that, but... I remember Vince. Yeah, he stayed in. Arm, he, he stayed in yeah. the. Uh, he stayed in the league for a long time. Played out in California and some other things. But generally speaking, the whole idea in the league was black men make good running backs and wide receivers. But about that quarterback thing, you've got to be smart. Well, <laughs> check it out. It's yeah, yeah. Check it out. Has that worked well for you, Chicago <laughs> Bears? No. <laughs> All right, Richard, we've run out of time, uh, and i got to be dutiful to DJ Nate. He said uh, 52 minutes we went over. It's always a pleasure. Now we figured out how to do the connection or bring you back on more often, and I'm going to definitely bring you, have you come on with Monroe. That will be so much fun, uh, you, me, and Monroe, just talking politics uh, for an hour or so. It will be a blast. And uh, So thank you very much for taking the time and talking to me. It's been right? a pleasure, man. It really has. Love it. 
All right, that's the great Richard Steele. Uh, I'm Ben Jurewski, and I also want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Lane Tech High School. Dr. D himself is an Alton, <laughs> but uh, DJ Nate has uh, really stepped in well uh, and done a great job. And folks, the guy not only produces podcasts, but he's also a DJ. So you need any DJing? You, he could do the old music. Richard, I'm, I'm sending him old songs. Like, I'm sending him uh, Bobby Hebb's uh, Sonny and all these old songs so that... So you know he, he so he could start doing some of these old people like old parties and weddings and 80th birthdays even you know so uh, anyway uh, DJ uh, Nate give yourself a raise take it out of petty cash have Go a great week DJ Nate yes sir have a great weekend everybody.